Hi and welcome to Insanely Criminal. I'm Jem. And I'm Emma. And we're recording on a Monday because it's bank holiday. Mm. And bank holiday is just boozing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, absolutely all I'm I'm a, a, a smidge rough from last night. Just a smidge. <laughs> uh and I'm uh just staring at the lovely weather, lovely British bank holiday weather pouring down with rain and it's typically this weather too because you know i think we've talked about this every week but the pubs are now open yeah and the weather has been shocking ever since well in england so what did they opened on april the 12th and that week was blinding like the the weather was just like the weather gods were smiling down on, on england then but then I think there was a few days last week when it was nice, but it's just been it's been rainy pretty much uh, on and off since like Thursday, Friday, which is annoying because I uh, I'm on holiday and well I'm I'm off work and since last Friday and the weather forecast has just been rain every day and <laughs> rain rain all this week, which is just wonderful. I know, I hate it, because um, we were looking forward to the pub last Friday, we were like, it's going to fucking rain yeah, all afternoon, and as soon as we left the pub, it stopped raining, which typical. was uh, yeah, typical, but then I saw some people were out yesterday, obviously in beer gardens, but they had no umbrellas, so they're just sitting there getting soaked, that's it, There's for a pint. <laughs> one of my friends uh, sent me a picture of him in the pub. And he was sat, there's like the pub near where I used to live. Um, there's a pub just up the road and it's, it's a really, really nice place. Um, and it was raining one day last week and he sent me a picture and he was like, just cowered in a little corner, just like having a pipe going, yeah, it's, it's fine. This is great. It's no worries. Just getting soaked, having a pipe. But they've got kind of like a little sheltered area which is really nice like a little wooden kind of shack type thing um but it's always full obviously because of the british weather but you managed to get inside and i'm like nah i think i'll uh i'll just wait i'll just go when it's sunny again i know well after like three pints i was saying to everyone we have to do this every friday now mm-hmm. everyone was like you didn't even drink a few months ago this is what the pandemic like, yeah, I'm done back to you. on it now, guys. I'm back. Because <laughs> I'd said all week, I'm only having one drink and I'm getting my usual bus home. I'm not staying out. I think I had three pints in one hour. Wow. I know. And Good I was effort. like, ah, well, you know, for the cause of the pubs reopening. Uh, you like gotta support, support the hospitality industry. That's my, exactly. my thought. I'm like a hometown hero. <laughs> so I thought I better get three and I was dreading waking up on Saturday because it's been so long since I've had like proper drinks when I've been yeah. out but I woke up at like seven I was fresh I cleaned my whole house by 10 a.m amazing I know so now I feel kind of superhuman of I could drink all the time now <laughs> but I'm not gonna push it maybe it was just dumb luck that I felt mm. okay <laughs> We were saying, though, that obviously, especially kind of in where I live, it's 
there was only really, obviously, like January, February, half of March last year, pubs were up and normal. They opened for a bit, a couple of months, like, well, it was like July, August, September, October. And then they'd closed since then until middle of April. And obviously, you know, been drinking at home and stuff. But we were saying, why do you seem to get drunker quicker on beer in a pub? Yeah. Well, I think I was probably drinking the same amount in the pub as I would have at home in cans or whatever. But in the pub, I just seem to get drunker quicker. Maybe it's the atmosphere. I don't know. I think it's the atmosphere because I felt quite tipsy after two. And I thought, yeah. oh, it could just be me. But then a couple of the others said, yeah, yeah, I'm starting to feel it already. Whereas, like, the alcohol in the pub, like, you have a beer or a lager, it's usually lower percent. Well, exactly, yeah. So, so I was drinking, like, four or five percent beers. Whereas I'd normally be drinking cans of, like, six, seven percent. I'm like, how am I getting drunker quicker? But maybe I'm just, like... Because it's so nice to be with, like, your friends and just chilling out and stuff. Maybe I think it's you, you do get drunk on the atmosphere a little bit. And you get oh, kind definitely. of, you get that little buzz and it's, it's whereas when you're by yourself, you're just, like, drinking alone. Alone again. <laughs> so it's not Me as every fun. day. <laughs> it's not as fun, uh, drinking by yourself. No. I know when we've recorded, I've had, like, one or two. And... That's it. I always think afterwards, oh, I could have another one, but then I never do because I just think I probably will get too drunk by myself at home. That's the thing. You've got to, I know, like, if I'm by myself, because I, I, it makes me sound terrible. I have a beer, like, fairly often by myself because I live by myself. So, you know, and I like beer. So, um, but I know how many that I can have before I think. Right, if I have one more, I'm going to get drunk. And I really hate being drunk by myself. It's just yeah. really, it's just not nice. So I, know, I hate being no drunk winter. with people. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, actually, I don't like, I like being tipsy. I do not like being really drunk. It really, like, stresses me out. Yeah, it does with me as well. And that's why I stayed on this level of tipsiness on Friday. Um, I quite liked that because I was just bopping around, yeah, being happy, yeah. which isn't me in general. <laughs> I'm joking. I am. I'm not a, a very sad person to anyone listening. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a nice atmosphere. Very yeah, nice. definitely. Unlike our story today. Not, mm. uh, I did pre-warn you that it's going to be mad and sad. Yeah, a heavy one, I think. Matches the weather, I think. Let's the weather's miserable. Let's have a nice miserable story. Yeah, and I'm sitting here in my haunted room with no lights on. It's dark and windy outside, and I've got to talk about this. So, (laughs) I've got well, I've got a fairly nice view from my new flat. In case I have mentioned it a million times. Uh, so I can actually say out of the window, it is like living in the year 3000. I'm telling you, windows are where it's at. That is true. I mean, I've got a big window in here, but it's just misery out there. With the yeah, it's not. It's not. 
not particularly nice outside, but no. yes, let's uh, let's get into let's this. Get into it, yeah. Terrible tale. I'm just trying to stall, even having to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> let's just fill the fill the fill, fill the space with the rambling. Yes, we might have to with this one. <laughs> okay, so on the morning of June 20th, 2001, Rusty Yates left for work like he did every day, leaving his wife Andrea alone at home with their five children. Not long after this, Andrea called the police and said she needed an officer at the house right away, but she didn't want to say why. When asked if she needed an ambulance, she said no but then quickly changed it to yes. While she was waiting for officers to respond, she called her husband, Rusty, at work and said, come home now, something is wrong with the children. To which Rusty replied, which one, what's wrong? Andrea simply replied, all of them. Rusty raced home, but was not allowed in the property as it had already been cordoned off by police. He saw his wife being escorted out of the house handcuffed and her clothing appeared to be soaking wet so what happened to the children are we ready to find out i'm not sure i'm already liking the start of this (laughs) no (laughs) so yeah if you haven't guessed this is the case of andrea yates and um yeah it's a really really sad one so i'm gonna put full trigger warning before anyone listens um if you haven't guessed by the start, this deals, you know, with children. It's not a nice subject. So if you don't want to listen, don't listen. That's fine. I just think it's a really important case to talk about because it deals with mental health. And it's quite, it's quite shocking in this story. So Andrea Yates was born on July 2nd, 1964 in Hallsville, Texas. Not much is really known about her childhood but she was highly academic in school and graduated at the top of her class in 1982. Andrea was also a keen swimmer and even competed on the swim team. In her teens, whilst her friends would be out at parties or dances, Andrea preferred to stay home and read the Bible and science books. She was always cramming for classes. Her siblings described her as stoic like their father, and despite all of her accolades, Andrea was already fighting a battle. She suffered from depression as a teenager, which also resulted in her battling with bulimia, something not too uncommon. Really, with teenage girls, I'd say it's Mm. far too common, um, eating disorders. By age 17, Andrea had already told a friend she had contemplated suicide. Despite all of these inner battles that she was fighting alone, Andrea still strived to be, the, to be perfect and even graduated from the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. And she worked as a registered nurse from 1986 to 1994. She met Rusty in 1989 after previously having no interest in men whatsoever. Andrea also did not like the physical aspects of their relationship. After she had met Rusty, he quickly introduced her to his friend and extreme street preacher, Michael Warniecki, who Rusty had met on a college campus years prior to meeting Andrea. 
The message that Warren Eckie preached was very fire and brimstone, and he and his wife had previously been in trouble with the law for their outrageous street preaching. So it's kind of like a pound shop, Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> um, that's kind of what uh, Warren Yeckie's like. Um, wow. It's just that. Yeah. And Rusty and Andrea are like quite heavily into it. So after Rusty had introduced the pair, Warren Yeckie said that Andrea appeared to be intimidated by him. And he told Rusty to Andrea not to marry too quickly. So what are you thinking so far? I mean, it's quite, going into it quite slowly. Mm. Are you just waiting for the... Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm bracing myself for something. It's got, it's starting to have like certain hallmarks again for me, so... Yeah, definitely. Mm. I think with the um, Andrea's already low mental health and then... Adding some kind of extreme religion into that as well is. It just sounds again like another like really vulnerable woman, who has been is going to get like suckered into something. Yeah, which is really sad. It is, and it happens far too often. I think. Mm-hmm. So even though Warrenecki told Andrea and Rusty not to marry too quickly, they didn't listen and got married in 1993. And despite Andrea not really enjoying having sex with Rusty, the pair said that they wanted to have as many children as they physically could. And so they bought a small four-bedroom home in Texas. On February 26, 1994, Andrea gave birth to their first child, a son who they named Noah. Not long after the birth of Noah, Rusty was offered a job in NASA and the couple relocated to, watch me butcher this one, Seminole, Florida? <laughs> Not very good with the pronunciation. No, no, no idea. <laughs> that is, uh, cannot help. And they lived in a small trailer. On December 15, 1995, the couple had their second child, another son, who they named John. In 1997, on September 13th, Andrea had another son who they named Paul. After Paul was born, the couple moved back to Houston and bought a GMC home, which is like a big, um, it's kind of like a tour bus kind of okay. kind of setup. And it was mm-hmm. only 350 square feet, so not, not big. No. And they bought this bus from none other than Michael Waranaki. Andrea had heard that they wanted to sell the bus and she quickly jumped at the chance to buy it. Some of Waranaki's other teachings were that people should have as little material objects as possible. So living in a tiny bus would have been perfect for the family striving to have less. Um, That would not be for me. <laughs> no, definitely not. How about you? I know you've just moved, but do you fancy? Should we buy a bus and live on that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do like the idea of having something like that to travel, like yeah. obvi- classically having like a VW camper van. I'd love one of them. Like, who wouldn't love one of them? But I wouldn't want to live in it full time, especially since 
I lived in a shoebox for three years, so I'm not <laughs> in a rush to to move back to a tiny little place again. <laughs> Same. It's like my house isn't big, but it's not small. Yeah. And I don't think I could live anywhere smaller than this. So oh, God no. Could be a no for the bus, but I'm out. <laughs> Completely out. <laughs> By February 15th, 1999, Andrea had given birth to the couple's fourth son, who they named Luke. So she now has four children, all under the age of five. They are living on a small bus. And I'm just imagining they don't have any proper running water or anything like that. (sighs) That's like almost verging on child abuse itself. Just Yeah. Oh man, that must be awful. And all under five as well. Oh my yeah. god. No. I mean, I had two under five, and that was enough for me. Like, yeah. That was oof, never again. Thank you. <laughs> so while all this is happening, Rusty is in work all day, every day, and Andrea is stuck on the bus looking after all of these children alone. So it's no surprise that after the birth of Luke. Andrea started to become depressed again. Rusty came home from work one day to find Andrea rocking back and forth and chewing her fingers. Not her fingernails, her actual fingers. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, that bit, whenever I hear that, it makes me feel really sad. I mean, this whole case makes me feel sad, but to come home and I think find someone in that... um, that state would be yeah that's horrific yeah awful the next day andrea tried to overdose and she was admitted to hospital she was released after just one week as their health insurance had run out so yeah um that really irritates me i think because we're quite lucky here with the NHS. I know our mm-hmm. mental health um, system isn't great and there are waiting lists, but I think when you need to be admitted, you are admitted and you're not kicked out after a week because your insurance has run out. And It's just we massively take it for granted in this country and I can't think how bad it would be to have to choose between like getting treatment for something you really need yeah to have treatment for or like buying food and stuff like that's what it could come down to i either you know get my mental health looked at or i don't eat yeah because you know, oh god it's just it's a scary blood. reality isn't it yeah and this is you know this is happening right now like this is you know Every day, I'm sure there are millions of people who are in that scenario where they don't have health insurance and they can't afford health care, and it's just it's shocking. It is, mm. and I mean, especially for like the world's richest country, apparently, yeah. um, for them to be in that, to still not have proper health care, like free health care for all, is just insane to me. Absolutely, it's it's almost like a basic human right it's it's a necessity i just well yeah 
I, yeah, we are we are very lucky in this country to be able to have free healthcare. Absolutely. Um, there's times I've been like, oh, I'd love to move out of the UK, but then I'm like, I'd miss the NHS. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just once you've had it, you don't want to let it go. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So after Andrea had left, she was prescribed antidepressants. And after her release from hospital, she begged Rusty to let her die and held a knife up to her throat to slash her own throat. Oh dear. I know. Her condition only worsened and she began mutilating herself by ripping out chunks of her hair and scratching and clawing at her skin until it bled. Rusty did not know what to do. And so Andrea was admitted to hospital once more and she was prescribed a cocktail of medication, including the antipsychotic drug Haldol. After she had been taking these medications for a few days, Andrea seemed to improve and was released. However, when she returned home, she started flushing her medication behind Rusty's back. Rusty decided that the family needed a fresh start. And after many requests from Andrea's mother, the family moved into a small house and this seemed to temporarily stabilise Andrea. However, just a few months later, in July 1999, Andrea suffered a breakdown. She tried to take her own life twice and was admitted to a psychiatric hospital twice. Andrea had been diagnosed with having postpartum psychosis, which is completely different to postpartum depression, which is something I had. And I was only diagnosed with that three years ago. So I know, and I've got a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. So that's, it's one of them that you just kind of live with and forget. I mean, I don't have it now, um, but back then I did. And I just thought everyone feels like this so it was kind of and it was nothing on Andrea's level at all wow so in the UK alone one in 500 births can result in the mother developing postpartum psychosis and symptoms can include mania thoughts of harming yourselves or others confusion delusion and hearing voices in your head postpartum psychosis can reoccur and become worse with time. So say if you have it with one kid and then you treat it, you have another kid, it could come back and be much, much worse. It can just keep coming back and back. So are we okay so far? Yeah, I feel like, just, I feel like you're still waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it's really sad hearing about her. That's like you say, it is a yeah. very sad story. It's just this this poor woman yeah definitely um i was talking to somebody about this case not too long ago maybe a few months ago and this person had said oh yeah andrea yates she should be killed for what she did and obviously i'm not going to say what she did yet but i feel completely different about it and yeah we'll see at the end i'm completely the other way about it (laughs) Okay, interesting. So, after her first hospitalisation, Andrea said she had visions of killing herself by stabbing herself and said that she would have to harm herself 
so that she did not harm her children. Andrea also confessed that after the birth of Noah, she had a voice in her head and claimed it was Satan talking to her and telling her she was evil. It's also important to note that Andrea lived with this alone for five years after having Noah. She had these ideations that were so scary, but she couldn't tell anyone. And I think as well, this would stem from, I mean, she had a religious background anyway, but as well from her teenage years where she always wanted to be perfect. Mm. I mean, now she's dealing with these voices in her head, but still trying to be the perfect mother. It's just so much pressure on her to be this perfect mother. It's quite sad. And I'm going to bring in Michael Waranaki once again. So he had previously told Andrea that she was evil and that she had the spirit of a Jezebel. And Andrea hung on almost every word that Waranaki said. So I also think this is another reason why she could have been flushing for medication. It's mm. because Waranaki told his followers that taking medication was wrong and it made you weak. Dear. Yeah, so, and he taught like the fire and brimstone kind of preaching. So yes. I would hazard a guess that Andrea was probably terrified of, you know, ending up in the pits of hell for trying to look after herself, basically. So after her hospitalization in 1999, psychiatrist Eileen Starbranch told Andrea and Rusty not to have any more children, as this would heighten the chances of Andrea having a psychotic episode once more. And they already knew the risks of it being worse. But just seven weeks after this, Andrea was pregnant again. And Rusty, later compared this advice, so for not having any more children, uh, as to being offered a brand new Mercedes-Benz free of charge. And he basically said, well, if you were offered a brand new Mercedes-Benz and the risk was getting the flu for two weeks, would you take it? So, I mean, he's comparing Andrea's psychosis to having the flu and it's just like, oh my fucking God. That's so bad. I know. Oh, it just made me so mad. And again, like, I'm so on the fence with Rusty. Um, we'll see as we go on, but I'm still so on the fence with this guy. <laughs> um, I kind of felt sorry for him when I first heard about this story. But then when I heard that he said this about the Mercedes Benz, <laughs> I was like, fuck you, Rusty. He's <laughs> 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 putting his wife's... Uh, life on the line for another yeah. child oh. trash I know and I mean if you look at any footage of Rusty too like during this time he's like a really awkward guy he smiles at inappropriate things and again I don't think it's him being a dick I think he's just helpless um, but I don't know comparing it to the flu is just oh god I cannot <laughs> so Rusty knew Andrea could fall back and said it could just be treated again like last time 
He said this even after being told that if you took the combination of medicines over and over again, it would eventually just stop working. So after Andrea became pregnant again, she came off Haldol again. However, she gave birth to Mary, their only daughter, on November 30th, 2000. And all seemed well in the Yates household for a short time. Andrea seemed to be, quote, back to her old self. And that was until her father died and she slipped back into a deep depression. She began mutilating herself again. She was back in a catatonic state. She would not speak to anyone and read the Bible constantly. She also stopped feeding Mary. Sadly, but unsurprisingly, Andrea was hospitalised again, this time under the care of Dr. Mohammed Saeed. He treated her and released her. On May 3rd, 2001, Andrea filled a bathtub with water and had the ideation to drown her children, but she was able to stop herself. She went to see a doctor the next day and confessed to what she had done. The doctor said that she probably filled the tub up to kill herself and not her children, as she was probably feeling suicidal again. But nevertheless, she was hospitalised again. So we are getting closer. I mean, we're getting closer to, to what has happened. Um, we're not there yet. I will give like a full warning before we get there. Um, the thing about the bathtub that you just said is already making me edgy now. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's horrible. Um, maybe everyone's got a clue as to what is going to happen in this story, but still, it's just oh, it's so so terrible, so terrible. So we are getting close to the trigger warning. We're getting very very close. So. Andrea was released from under the care of Dr. Saeed on June 20th, 2001. He gave Rusty strict instructions not to leave Andrea alone with the children and said she must be supervised around the clock. However, Rusty said he did not want her to be dependent on him and started leaving her alone for an hour each morning whilst he went back to work. And then his mother would arrive after that hour, which is exactly what happened on the morning of June 20th, 2001. Rusty left for work and Andrea was alone for an hour in the home. And here is the trigger warning. Um, yeah, it's going to get really grim now. Um, so yeah, again, if you don't want to hear anything past this, uh, fast forward, end the episode. Um, you can just Google what happened because it is horrific. Um, can I? Emma might, Emma I might also say, leave the can, I, can I leave the recording myself? <laughs> I mean, uh, I can't even say, put your hands over your ears. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I won't be offended if anybody just completely skips this episode because I think especially if you have children, it's not the best um, episode to listen to. So Come during on, this ready, hour, ready. you ready? You ready? Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, during the hour where Rusty left and while Andrea was waiting for his mother to arrive, 
Andrea ran the bathtub once more, like she had done on May 3rd. Andrea placed Paul in the bathtub first and drowned him. Next, she drowned John and Luke and placed all three boys on the bed next to each other. Next, she brought Mary into the bathroom and she had finished, after she had finished drowning her, Noah walked in. He ran away, but Andrea caught him. She placed him face down in the tub and held him down until he was lifeless. She left Noah in the tub and placed Mary in the arms of her brothers who were already on the bed. When officers arrived, they initially thought Mary was a doll and officers at the scene say they still feel severely affected after walking onto the scene. And that's all I'm going to tell you about what happened to the kids. Like, there's going to be nothing else. Um, so, yeah, it's so heavy. It's just so, so heavy. Um, it just I sounds like so almost, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, like so cold and calculated and like yeah. methodical, if that's the right way of describing it. it God, that's brutal i know i think especially because noah walked in and he ran away because he was so scared like that was the last thing he ever would have seen oh, like his mum like drowning his sister it's just horrific um and i always think like what would have happened if he had have got away he would have had to live with that image yeah. forever it's just there's, there was no good ending in that scenario at all for, for Noah. Um, it's just so, so horrible. So there's no more about the murder now. I'm going to go straight to the arrest and trial because just reading that tiny paragraph has now severely affected me again. <laughs> it's just horrific. Oh. So after her arrest, Andrea quickly confessed the murders and said she did it to save her children she said that she had the soul of a jezebel and wanted to save her children from hell she also said that if they died young god would receive them before they committed any sinful acts andrea told a jail psychiatrist that she had thought about killing her children for over two years and did not think that she was a good mother despite everyone around her saying she was a natural mother. Andrea said, quote, it was the seventh deadly sin. My children weren't righteous. They stumbled because I was evil. The way I was raising them, they could never be saved. They were doomed to perish in the fires of hell. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> At her trial, her defence team argued that she was a psychotic. But under Texas state law, the person standing trial has to prove that they did not know right from wrong at the time that the crime occurred. We know she waited for Rusty to leave that morning. And she also tied up the family's dog before she drowned the children. I think so that the dog couldn't come in and like bark and like disturb what she was oh, doing, maybe. God. It just, this is, it sounds so like <laughs> she has been planning this for ages. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. No, it's horrible. In March 2002, the jury rejected her plea of insanity and found her guilty. The death penalty was on the table, although the jury decided to spare her life. Andrea was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 40 years. However, in 2006, there was a turnaround. In the trial, the prosecution brought in expert witness, psychiatrist, and you might remember him from the Cannibal Cop episode, Park Dietz. Mm. Who could ever forget that name? Dietz has stated that Andrea was a big Law and Order fan. And in the days leading up to killing her children, an episode had aired where a woman had drowned her children and pled insanity. It's also important to state that Dietz often worked as an expert consultant on Law and Order. However, after hearing about this, Law and Order writer Suzanne O'Malley said that an episode of this nature simply did not exist and a retrial had to be held. Andrea Yates was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was released on bail, but on the condition that she check into a mental health facility. Andrea and Rusty have since divorced. Rusty is remarried and has a child with his new wife. Andrea is housed in the Kerrville State Hospital in Kerrville, Texas, which is a low security hospital. So patients there are allowed to leave, but she's the only one who doesn't want to leave the grounds. And there is no date for her release so that's the end but yeah I'm this is why I always feel massively on the fence about this one I think because she was so unwell um obviously I think she knew what she was doing um there's evidence to prove that she planned it out but Mm. I feel massively sorry for her, and uh... she shouldn't have been left alone. No, like, it's like Rusty. You had one job, exactly. Don't leave her alone. I'm not saying like again. It's like you just said. There's an element of she. She knew what she was doing, and yeah, she knew that she wanted to kill her own children, but. I don't know, it's, it's like, she, it feels like she was failed a little bit by the healthcare system as well, and by her husband, and she was clearly very high risk, and very, <clears throat> well, high risk, yeah, and yeah. she should have, it sounds like she should have been, like, sectioned or something way before this. Yeah, completely. It's just. I think at one point Rusty blamed her doctor, um, Dr. Saeed, saying, Well, you shouldn't have given her this medication or that medication. You shouldn't have done this or that. And I'm thinking, Rusty, you should have stepped up a little bit. Noticed that your wife was severely unwell. And, you know, maybe not left her alone, like you were told not to. Yeah. Not had, not like. Told her to have another child. Yeah, just when like he the risks. And I just uh, does he not feel like any kind of guilt for doing that? 
apparently he doesn't um i think he kind of recognizes that what he did was wrong if you can use an understatement but he won't accept a lot of responsibility i know uh, rusty and andrea made up after the trial and i think he did stand by her throughout but he would have to because maybe he felt a little bit guilty of shit i could have done more here um i don't know it's just such a horrible case oh i feel so drained (laughs) yeah Uh, that is it's not a nice thing to talk about that is it at all no i just thought you know it's important with just for the mental health aspect i think yeah understand. and you know postpartum psychosis i didn't know yeah that's I, I obviously knew about postpartum depression but i didn't know that you could get postpartum psychosis as well yeah i remember when i was having ali i got given a book like by a midwife and it spoke at length about postpartum psychosis and I was terrified of getting postpartum psychosis, which then puts you in like this overthinking mode of, oh my God, I'm going to get it. It's yeah, just... and then that could then lead to not saying you like talk yourself into it, but then that could obviously lead to like anxiety and, and stuff. And yeah, I think definitely. I, I imagine being pregnant, you'd be anxious enough about having a baby so I know I would yeah. be so uh wow Ugh. I know I'm tired <laughs> sorry to put a, an, uh, a dampener on your bank all day <laughs> well it's already pretty damp to be fair so. but yeah again um if anyone made it this far well done um again just that small paragraph here and about um, how she killed her children was just enough mm. and you know she's not yeah she she has killed her children what she did was wrong but Andrea Yates is not a cold-blooded child killer um I know it makes me feel like I'm sticking up for a child killer but it's, it's something so completely different about this case because her mental health was you know definitely the the starter to all of this um so yeah you know she's not like a Myra Hindley kind of type no so yeah that's the case of Andrea Yates we're now very tired yeah (laughs) dear oh dear (laughs) there's like nothing we can talk about now I know know. (laughs) but you have to go and buy some chest of drawers that can um can lighten your mood a bit yeah i've got some some, i've got some furniture to build (laughs) and some unpacking to do and some i've got a nice picture to hang up so i'm gonna do that (laughs) think of happy thoughts everyone just do something wholesome yeah (laughs) put a face mask on no go for a a nap yeah have a whiskey or a brandy or something (laughs) yeah god something oh jeez yeah, I'm even going to close the tab now. I'm going to delete this entire file because I never want to look at the case again. No. <laughs> and again, like we've said before, this is why I will never cover anything like um, Ian Watkins or like James Bolger. I will never mm-hmm. ever do it because it's just too far too heavy. 
<sighs> so hopefully you'll be back next week with a really yes. uh, light-hearted case. <laughs> no, it was it was it was an interesting one. I didn't know anything about that, and it's I might read a bit more about it if I can. Yeah, because you know, I'd, I'd not heard of it, and it's it is you're right. It's a very sad case because it feels like their children could have fairly easily been saved. Yeah, definitely. And it's just she was she was going to do this regardless like she yes. she clearly had it in her head that that's what she needed to do for whatever reason and i just she shouldn't have been left by herself no absolutely not um i think even if you've got postpartum depression sometimes it's hard to be left alone and sometimes um you're even told not to be alone i think just in case something i think that honestly it terrifies me it's one of the things that I mean, there are many different reasons, but it's it's <laughs> one of the, the reasons that I don't want my own children because I think it just feels like way too much responsibility and too much, like... Yeah. I'd be terrified that I would get it, and I think that, like I just I said, that would make you anxious, thinking that you're going to get postpartum depression, so... Yeah. Oh, and God. It, is, it is horrible, Um it was only after I had Sunny, really, that mine really took form, I think, because I was alone yeah. in the house all day with a baby who didn't stop crying for 10 hours and, like, a three-and-a-half-year-old oh, who was just fed up. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what triggered mine, I think. I must have had, like, underlying when I had Ali, but yeah, that was just general sadness, I think. But this was just insane. Where it was like bordering, not on Andrea Yates, but bordering on, oh my God, I don't want to be here anymore, kind of postpartum depression. It was. And again, then, like, no one tells you about any of this stuff. So you feel like you can't talk to anybody. Yeah. So I feel for Andrea in that sense, where mine was just mad depression. Hers was, you know, voices talking to it. You're not going to bring that up in a mother and baby group. Guess what Satan told me to do last night, guys? it's like nowhere to turn to really it's uh but yeah go and get your furniture (laughs) (laughs) go and go and get my chest of drawers and might have a nice hot shower now (laughs) i think i'm gonna do that too and then maybe sage myself yes do some kind (laughs) of cleansing (laughs) cleansing ritual around the flat but yeah, so that's it. We are done with the bank holiday Monday. I never have to talk about this case again. Yeah, happy so, bank holiday, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Hope everyone's had a great time. <laughs> so yeah, now the pressure's on for you. You have to write a happy or something. Yeah, something <laughs> lighthearted. What? Yeah. I've done vampires, so I can't do. We should have done vampires, like. Uh, yeah, we should have yeah, done next... after this one. Yeah. <laughs> To lighten it up a little bit because I enjoyed vampires. Me yeah, next good. then. So, yeah. Gotta get the thinking cap on this week. Yeah, if anyone hasn't noticed, I'm here for the depressing stuff. Emma's here for the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones are I? Bonnie and Clyde. That, that was quite fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I mean, obviously, it involves a lot of death and stuff, but. Uh, have I only done two? I can't even remember. 
technically three. Oh, yeah, because Bonnie and Clyde was a two-part special. So we went from that fun to then me coming in with Robert Morsley having a spoon put in his head like a boiled egg. Jesus. (laughs) I remember that. And then the vampires, and now me coming in with a child killer. So... I'm going to try and find some um, a series of amusing crimes <clears throat> or like yes. world's worst criminals type stuff. Oh, definitely. We've done that already though, Charles Manson. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean like world's kind of what's the word? Like st- stupidest criminals. Oh yeah, that would be good. We Just need like, a palate cleanser. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the one I'm doing next, we're going to need a palate cleanser after that. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to start lining up some light-hearted stuff. <laughs> I know, I think I need to change uh, change my uh, the serial killers and killers and murderers. We <laughs> are all the really sad ones. We are formally changing the name of the podcast to uh, Light and Fluffy Happy Hour Time. <laughs> <laughs> so we should do a bonus episode. Yeah. We just talk about happy things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll, I don't know. We'll talk about beer for an hour or something. Oh, could do that. Get drunk. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get drunk on a podcast. <laughs> Listen to his chat shit and get drunk. That would be good, actually. That would be good. Yeah. Right. On that note. Yeah. On that note, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yes. Remember to. Leave us a nice little review if you really love us. I know a few people have, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for everyone who's uh, commented, got in touch with us individually. Appreciate all the feedback. Check us out on socials if you haven't already. Uh, and thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Definitely. See you next week. Bye. Bye.